Hello, welcome to the Private Wireless podcast series from Enterprise IoT Insights. My name is James Blackman. The first instalment in the series is brought to you with Nokia. Over the course of four episodes, we are discussing with Nokia key aspects of private cellular, covering both private LTE and private 5G. The last couple of episodes have looked at issues or really choices around types of coverage, types of supplier, types of solution, as well as the deal breaker question about the cost to deploy private wireless. This episode, episode three, the last of 2020, works something like a highlights reel of the year just gone and discusses the sudden momentum in the industrial market around private wireless. It suggests the industry 4.0 market is at a tipping point or, or perhaps at the edge of a tipping point as private LTE gathers popularity and private 5G comes on the horizon. I am joined as always by Stefan Doblet, Head of Marketing for Enterprise Solutions at Nokia and Mr. Private Wireless at the company. Stefan, welcome back. Thanks for joining us today. Hi James, thanks for having me. So Stefan, part of the cha- challenge with the industry for movement is cultural, right? That these IoT-based technologies must, you know, if they are to drive intelligence in, in company-wide operations and justify investments in plant-wide or factory-wide private wireless infrastructure, they must bring together two different sides, that IT and OT teams must collaborate to bring this stuff to life. How is that going, Stefan? How well has this IoT, IT, OT divide been bridged in 2020? Yes, indeed, James. I mean, the, the Industry 4.0 project are, are generally very large project and almost company-wide. Um, and when you talk about this kind of transformation plan, you know, one of the, the big issues identified by most of the analysts and the consulting firms in that space, you know, they, they are basically saying that for Industry 4.0 project to be successful and, and execute well, you know, the, the enterprise IT and OT teams really need to, you know, come together uh, to make it a success. Um, and it's the same when it comes to the private wireless digitalization aspect of those projects that support this industry 4.0. And this is something that, you know, we are seeing more and more evidence that this is happening. You know, in the past, um, you know, the, the, the OT needs uh, of uh, asset-heavy industry were really driven by the OT team and, and they tended to do their, their own thing in, in isolation. But, you know, with computerization, you know, the transformation from analog to digital, and uh, you know that happened with the, the end of industry 3.0 and, and still happening in some cases and the, the full digitalization that's needed for the, the new industry 4.0, the IT folks involvement are absolutely essential. Um, you know, the same way that IT you know, cannot do it alone without considering the need and requirement from OT, you know, not, you know, the IT guys not, not working with the OT team will lead them to sometimes choose you know, the wrong technology that won't be suitable for the critical use cases. So it is absolutely essential for those two teams to really work together uh, as they, they are interdependent on, uh, on the success of those uh, industry for zero project. And I would say 2020 is probably, you know, the first year where we saw uh, concretely, um, you know, those kind of thing happening. In the past, a lot of the private wireless project um, were driven with a specific you know, use case in mind or a specific challenge linked to the use of a certain you know, wireless technology, for example. Uh, and that was mostly driven by, you know, sometimes very often the OT team and sometimes as well the IT team 
Um, but in 2020, what we saw is that th there's many more company-wide, you know, industry follow zero projects that are taking place where, where, you know, the OT and IT team, even at very high level, are brought to the table and defining the project and working towards the same goal. And we see that as a very important, uh, you know, aspect that we think over time will really help, you know, accelerate, you know, the adoption uh, of private wireless in the market today, not just for a single app or single use case, but generically as a big transformation project for those industries. Okay, so Stefan, let's let's talk about adoption then, because it seems you know it seems every week, every day almost, there are new announcements about new enterprises making new private LTE and even early private five G deployments. And enterprise IoT insights is you know as as quoted Nokia uh, nearly I, I think probably nearly two years back from analyst research that this market for private LTE and stretching to private five G could could reach 15 million venues potentially. I think the headline was 10 million factories, 3 million warehouses, 50,000 mines. Just talk to me about that, particularly with regards to the, you know, the manufacturing space, you know, and about where we are now as the pace is gathered in 2020 and where we're headed in 2021. Yes, yeah, so, so you're correct. I mean, and, you know, let's, let's be clear at the same time. So I think the, the number you've quoted are, you know, still very relevant, but so while, you know, I would not even say yet that uh, private wireless has become mass market in 2020. Uh, I think it will continue to take some years. I think if, if you take a look at the, as an industry overall, we probably only install private wireless networks in maybe a, a thousand industrial sites. So it will take a lot of years for private wireless to become mass market, but we're really clearly seeing some, some obvious sign of acceleration uh, across the board, whether in terms of the number of private wireless networks we, we're deploying, but also our opportunity pipeline uh, we are seeing uh, and we've seen in, in 2020. We also, you know, 2020 for me was also the year where, you know, private wireless became something that people understood. It it's clearly has been uh, now a hot new technology topic in the media with, you know, several thousands of articles in the press and even reaching, reaching the uh, you know, the, the, the big journals as well, very much like 5G has been in the news for quite a few years now. And that clearly also helped, uh, you know, the discussion on, on, on private wireless. So I would say both, you know, traction, but also, um, you know, from a kind of uh, aspect of general knowledge of the technology is clearly there in, in 2020. And, and like, like you've mentioned, you know, there are, you know, in excess of, you know, 10 or 14 million industrial site potential for private wireless. Um, so it's clear that private wireless will be big market. Uh, and in that sense, the whole industry and a lot of stakeholders are really starting to pay close attention uh, to the potential that mobile technology have in helping transforming those industry the same way really they've transformed our life or you know, the consumer's life in the last 20 or 30 years with mobile phone. You know, this is something that hasn't happened yet with industry and this is now, now is the time. Um, you know, and, and just, you know, if we take a look at, at Nokia for the just further evidence, um, you know, as a proof of that acceleration, I mean, we, when we started in, you know, 2015 uh, and all the way to end of 2019, we, we managed to secure roughly about, you know, 120 customers. And just to put things into perspective, uh, you know, that is 120 customers in four years. While in 2020, you know, just in the space of nine months, we've almost doubled the number of customers and we now have in excess of 220. So that's really show you, you know, this, uh, this acceleration. And, and, you know, and, and one, one last thing, you know, on, on adoption, which, you know, I want to continue to reinstate because it's something that's sometimes not understood is, 
you know, is the ecosystem aspect. Um, you know, the, the very important um, adoption factor is linked to the ecosystem. So effectively, the, the industrial things that can connect to those networks. This is a, a very important piece of the puzzle, um, as you can imagine. Otherwise, you know, those networks are not of much use. And this was the challenge when Nokia started deploying private wireless in, in 2015. And in, in 2020, you know, um, we already saw that in 19, but in 2020, we are now really comfortable um, today that we have a strong ecosystem of 4.9G and LTE industrial device that support almost all the industrial use case of heavy segment, heavy asset uh, industry that we are, we are addressing. Uh, you know, for example, I was reading, uh, you know, not long ago, I think last week, that uh, narrowband IoT and LTM is now, you know, really becoming mainstream and one of the most popular technology in all asset tracking devices. So clearly, we now have, you know, the, the right thing we need. And, and today, you can almost find any types of industrial system with an LTE of 4.9G chipset built in inside, from sensors, from, uh, you know, connected factory tools to port vehicles like straddle carrier, uh, or worker safety equipment like helmets and vests, or even, you know, massive 500 plus ton autonomous mining trucks now can come with uh, effectively the ability to connect to those private wireless networks. And that also talks a lot uh, to the traction and the progress we've made you know, in the last five years. Okay, Stefan, a major piece of the jigsaw here, which we spoke about a little bit, a little bit in the last episode, is the availability of spectrum. And this trend, of course, goes back some way earlier than 2020, but 2020 is when it seems to have fallen into place, driven by you know, governments in most industrial markets, notably with CBRS in the US, but also with slightly different models in Europe and Japan. Just if you can talk around how spectrum liberalization has shaped up and shaken up the market. Yeah, that's, that's correct. I mean, very much, you know, a little bit like I was uh, finishing uh, the, the last answer around ecosystem, the other important aspect of private wireless is, is spectrum. Um, and, and spectrum, you know, was always seen as a challenge to the deployment of private wireless networks. But again, you know, we saw over the year a lot of positive momentum, uh, probably dating back from, uh, you know, around 2016 when the uh, US uh, you know, regulator, the FCC, agreed to release some shared spectrum to a wide variety of user like enterprise that would not have had in the past, you know, the ability to access such a license spectrum. Um, so that really, you know, helps really kickstart things off as the US market is such an influential market. And then, you know, we saw things rolling on from there. Um, clearly, the shared spectrum is, is an, in, an interesting aspect, but it is a bit more complex. Uh, and in some other markets, like in, in Europe, there are some, you know, bits of, of spectrum that are not used or have not been auctioned to the CSP. Um, and, and we're seeing some movement. We have seen some movement in that space, you know, like in, in, in 2019, uh, we saw France as an example that really followed the US model and, and was the first one to effectively commercially release a, a spectrum for the vertical, uh, both in the low band for what they call kind of critical segments, you know, transport, utility, uh, or even public safety, but also for industrial sites, you know, with the 2.6 gigahertz TD band that was an auction at, at the time. And then we also saw, you know, Germany, uh, Japan, and the UK in, in 19 and 20, following a similar approach and releasing, you know, quite a bit of spectrum for verticals, uh, including spectrum suitable for 5G. So that's kind of, you know, one aspect of it. And, you know, we touched a little bit on that last time, but I just mentioned it again also, you know, the CSP going in that space also come with their own range of spectrum that really helps, you know, on addressing the, the, the spectrum. So I would say, you know, 2020, 
it is not, you know, we've seen that spectrum is no longer an issue. And, you know, when we expect the trend to continue um, as more and more countries realize the potential that private wireless can play in this industrial digitalization agenda and, and the impact it can have on just making industry just more efficient, but also more sustainable, uh, which is very important nowadays and, and also more resilient. Uh, hence, you know, altogether having a very positive impact on the economy, um, you know, for, for those countries. So I think we'll see the trends continuing into 2021 and we're seeing it with 5G as well, 5G spectrum. Um, you know, the other thing I would mention on 220, looking back at uh, you know, what happened is, is, you know, 220, I started by talking about the US and I think uh, 220 is also, 2020 is also the year where you know, the, C, the CBRS GAA spectrum finally gone commercial, uh, following a, a lot of you know, hard work uh, over the years to really make spectrum sharing a reality uh, with, with everything that involves. And then we also had this year the, the PAL auction, so the priority access license, so the second tier, uh, that also attracted a lot of interest, clearly from a wide variety of mobile operators that, that plan to use CBRS in their own operation. Uh, but we also saw ISP, cable co, and also enterprise like utility, uh, effectively, you know, buying a sp spectrum license on a kind of regional level. And uh, so, so we, we, have, we expect that this you know, overall effort by the US will in turn, uh, will become the, the model technically and maybe even commercially for spectrum sharing in other country. And there, there are still a lot of spectrum in use in, in various countries, for example, by the military that could be used and shared uh, for other use cases at the same time. And um, then, you know, maybe the final thing, which was not maybe something that was um, very evident in the past, but private wireless networks were, you know, mostly for industrial sites so far. Um, but at the same time, we know, and we, talk, we talked about that in the last podcast, and there are many industrial segments like the rail, like utility, you know, that needs really wide coverage as well. Uh, and, and in the area of spectrum for wide area coverage, you kind of need different types of spectrum. You need a, a, typically a more a lower spectrum that really enable you to cost effectively cover a whole country. And again, in 2020, we saw very positive news in that space with the, again, the US, you know, releasing uh, some 900 uh, megahertz band, six megahertz worth of, uh, for utility. Uh, you know, again, realizing the important utility have uh, in the future and also in, in time like, you know, the time we have with COVID today. Um, and then in other places, uh, we also, you know, see the 400 and the 450 megahertz band that were formerly, um, you know, used for 2G, you know, radio technologies such as CDNA or for, you know, wireless, uh, you know, connectivity in rural areas for houses, for example, also became available or all put back to auction, depending on the country, after it was certified by 3GBP for use uh, with LTE and 4.9G and, and, and devices becoming available. So as I mentioned earlier, the 400 and the 450 megahertz really bring significant potential, uh, you know, for the critical vertical segments that we talked about where, you know, they need that wide area of connectivity or and sometimes the country decide, you know, to keep or, or give that uh, spectrum to, um, uh, to the critical uh, IoT CSP or former ISP that had the spectrum for them to develop and deploy an LT nationwide network and they can then resell, you know, you know, critical connectivity services to enterprise um, with, as I mentioned, a spectrum that, that really allow a very economical way to cover a very large country with maybe only a few hundred cells. And it's really changed the whole business case for those uh, wide area private wireless networks. So I, I expect 
you know, a lot of that uh, will see have an impact on 2021 also. And, and Stefan, it's not all about licensed spectrum, right? Most of the industrial market is, is networked, arguably at 2.4 and 5 gigahertz with Wi-Fi, at least for wireless comms. There are these kind of knee-jerk tales, if you like, about 5G eating everything. But the reality is, of course, more prosaic, that Wi-Fi is well entrenched and will continue to play a definitive role in the, in the, in the digital transformation of the industry. And then on top, there is a whole bunch of stuff happening with, with cellular and indeed non-cellular technologies as well in unlicensed spectrum. Stefan, put all of that in some context for us, perhaps just, you know, and just touch as well on, on where we're up to with multi-fire, of course, as a vehicle to bring, you know, LTE into unlicensed spectrum. Yeah, definitely, you're right. I mean, as we talked about, there's a you know there's a very large market out there, and a, and a whole swell of different uh, you know companies and company size as well. And you know, in my mind, unlicensed spectrum is clearly a key enabler, and probably in probably the last piece of the puzzle to really make private wireless go mass market and and make it really suitable for even you know small companies. Um, where even you know uh, uh, the the aspect of you know getting a vertical license spectrum may just be too complex. Or costly, or even too long, and, and you know, and there's no you know surprise either that 3GPP even for 5G, uh, you know, is working on a version of 5G for unlicensed spectrum called 5G NRU. So I think this is clearly showing that that the the unlicensed has a key role to play uh, in in those markets. Uh, in in addition, you know, beyond the aspect of you know making things even simpler and more accessible for small company, uh, the unlicensed spectrum actually opens up quite a few new use cases where you know a license spectrum is a, is a little bit too rigid uh and and where a license makes a lot of sense you know for example um you know i've, I've seen a lot of uh companies coming and see us at various trade show and events in the construction space you know they effectively you know set up a site you know for for six months couple of years or you know if it's a large tower uh, in dubai for example and then the next time they'll go in uh, in saudi or somewhere else to build another tower so they kind of go around the country they even go around the world most of the time and it's a temporary site um and, and those folks effectively in the lives of spectrum is perfect because it, it doesn't make sense to ask for a spectrum every time you move uh, it's complex. It's costly. Uh, with a license, you are, uh, you know, uh, you remove that burden. The other one, which is even more, uh, you know, uh, suitable for the unlicensed spectrum, are, you know, those kind of sports events that goes around the world. The, the kind of venues or the, you know, like take the PGA, you know, golf championship, take, uh, you know, surf competitions or even ski, uh, you know. Uh, competitions as well this is they are in the same spot they basically go you know over a period of six months to one year around the world set up their sites and and land license makes a lot of sense so so we see clearly a big role for a license opening up new opportunities even for private wireless uh, in maybe in some market that we have not considered in the past and finally you know the other aspect of a license spectrum is the fact there is a lot of bandwidth in it and, and that's one of the key benefits in both the five gigahertz, uh, but also the, the future six gigahertz. So there's a lot of scope as well for the unlicensed spectrum to be used to complement private wireless networks uh, in country where there may not be enough bandwidth for capacity heavy use cases in the vertical license spectrum or in the CSP that the spectrum that has been given, where you can use effectively an extra layer that uses multi-fire or even 5G NRU in the future and can be added with a few small cells. It uses the same core network, the same infrastructure to bring capacity layer on top of existing private wireless networks. And this is exactly what the CSP have been doing with their 
what we call hetnets. You know, these are the, the CSP networks are now composed of multiple technology, but also multiple frequency, um, and then you know some specific traffic are kept on one layer versus another because it brings more coverage and other types maybe video traffic is used on another layer with more capacity and it's the same with private wireless there's no reason why you could not effectively leverage different types of spectrum um, to give you uh, you know the different uh, capabilities that you need so we, we again we see a role for multifier to play a, a, an important role in complementing existing private wireless networks or future private wireless networks with, with more capacity and you know, generally, I think the folks that that know me, um, you know, know that that multifire is close to my heart. And and I was, uh, you know, uh, there when when Nokia was the first to demonstrate multifire potential in 2017 with the with the industry first small cell that run multifire. Uh, unfortunately, you know, it has taken a long, long time uh, to get a working device um, that we could you know use to connect assets and make them talk multifire in effect. And and it's been a long journey for Nokia because we we were. The founding member of the Multifire Alliance, and and, and after the standardization uh, in 2017, you know, it took us quite a while to realize that the, you know a lot of the traditional chipset vendors would not support Multifire in the, in their consumer chipset or in the current chipset that's mostly targeted at mobile phones. So Nokia, uh, you know, after you know taking a, a little time to to go around and ask all those folks, you know, we decided to take the matter in our own hands. Before the the topic was so important, and I think as as I mentioned before, it's it's seen now that 3GDP has followed uh, the Nokia's view on that. And we, st we started developing our own industrial modems that we can use to make multifier private wireless a reality. So uh, while we, you know, we're still going through all the certification, um, actually many of them got delayed due to COVID closing a lot of labs around the world. But you know, we just passed the certification with the multifier alliance, within the interoperability testing. Um, and, and we're confident we should get the rest of the certification we need to start be able to ship these units and really bring to market the world first end-to-end -end private wireless solution based on the license spectrum and make this multifier reality uh, happen and, and access to those uh, to the, that even wider market. So Stefan, what, what you said earlier about nationwide private wireless networks was really interesting. Just on this point of, of kind of national cellular infrastructure and what we can say about the role of the traditional operators in all of this, because, you know, there is a sense that with the availability of plug and play systems and the liberalization of spectrum, that suddenly anybody can be an operator and that there is some existential threat, if you like, to the traditional operator community. Now, clearly that's not quite the case, but just, Stefan, if you can talk around that and what operators stand to gain from this market and what they can offer it and how really they've, they've perhaps finally embraced it in 2020. And, and actually, James, we, we did cover quite a bit, uh, you know, around the CSP role, uh, you know, in private wireless in a previous podcast. But, uh, you know, again, you're right. We, we have seen, you know, 2020 uh, bringing really quite, uh, you know, a change in that space. So in, in the past, you know, Nokia, as an example, had, you know, already uh, partnered with quite a few CSP for private wireless. We had, for example, A1 in Austria or Bharti in India. But, but uh, you know, 2020 is really where we saw, with the year where we saw the very large, you know, CSP really walking the walk and, and picking up on the fact it was important for them to rapidly create an offering in a private wireless space. And, uh, you know, just as example, uh, you know, we saw recently uh, that Nokia signed both AT&T and Verizon to, you know, a very large uh, CSP in the US. Um, you know, we also have a, a very important enterprise business you know, really uh, taking, uh, you know, the private wireless seriously and, and partnership partnering with Nokia 
to develop an offer to target their enterprise customer. And also, you know, we've got quite a few other, uh, you know, operator we, we are trialing with, for example, Orange Business Services, where we're currently running a trial for a company called Schneider Electric in one of their factories in France. And, and there's many more like that. So generically, I think it's been uh, also a, a pivotal year for the, the CSP in their uh, development of a strategy and offering for private wireless. Um, and, you know, I think it's important for, for because as many enterprise, you know, for example, the SME or the company that, that rely also on the CSP for the nationwide connectivity, like logistics segments, you know, they, they clearly seems to indicate, you know, a, a preference to get private wireless network from their trusted CSP. Um, so, so I think many enterprise would be glad to find that they can work with a preferred CSP to get access to critical connectivity in their own sites as well. So altogether, all a very positive thing for the industry. Okay, th thanks, Stefan. I think I think we've got to we've got to bring it to a close. And of course, you know, when we've been, been talking about it, this lots of the time uh, when we talk about private wireless in twenty twenty, it's been it's been about private LTE in practical terms, but you know, 2020 has been about 5G as well. And that is perhaps, you know, the elephant in the room here, the thing that gets people talking, it gets this stuff noticed. But, you know, we will, we will come back to that. It's important to note now that Nokia has, you know, has launched a, uh, a private wireless 5G, standalone 5G solution in 2020. And that is something we will come back to in the January point podcast. So stay tuned for that. You know, Stefan, we could talk for hours and it has been fascinating again as always to hear your thoughts on this really kind of fast-paced exciting and genuine genuinely meaningful part of the of the market um there are lots of challenges still and lots to talk about and we'll catch up on some of those points in the new year and specifically go through this 5g stuff but for now stefan it was great to catch up thanks for joining us and i look forward to picking through the bones of it again after christmas thank you yeah, and thanks a lot, James. Great talking to you again.